The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And on this episode of the podcast, I am joined by none other than Jay Carlson because we're talking about Oklahoma State football. And I think both of us want to vent about the misery of Saturday's game against Texas and the inevitable will we make it to the Big 12 championship game still. So, Jake, I would say, hey, how are you doing? How's the weather? All type of stuff, whatever. You know, it is Wednesday, November 4th. So, yesterday, Tuesday, November 3rd, Georgia. I'm in, You're in Georgia. I'm in Michigan. A lot of stuff happening with the election. But that's not what people are coming to listen about the podcast for. So, I do want to ask I, you I here. hope not. They'd be sorely disappointed. They, they would be. <laughs> they would be. As we've said in the past, too. They don't They don't want my political opinions. I don't think they're ready for them yet. That'd be a yeah, whole other podcast. Yeah, I don't think they won't mind either. Yeah. But... With that being said, what are your takeaways from the Texas game over the past weekend? Um, I think that was the first time. We're usually a conservative football team. I think we can both agree on that. So sometimes we'll lose games because we're too conservative, um, which can come down to coaching usually. That was the first time that I can remember in a long time that we just single-handedly beat ourselves in a game where we clearly should have won. Um, you know, I think about that Texas Tech game last year, right? Um, but our defense didn't play well at all. And so that that one was a little bit, little bit different, um, in my opinion, because they were still scoring points and stuff, and we were just turning the ball over. Um, but this time... Our defense plays incredible. We can't stop giving them the ball. And it, and it wasn't, they weren't turnovers that it's like, okay, you know, you kind of got to applaud that, right? They were just turnovers that are just like, these are terrible. Well, yeah. And they were so bad. But also we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot with other couple of things as well, too. With play calling towards the end of the first half, with play calling towards the end of the game with play calling in overtime, but also with the penalty that we racked up on that 4th and 22, and, you know, the the choice to even go try to block the punt, right? We're up Mm 4 at that point. You know, what's the deal? Why are we going to block Mm -hmm. a punt when we're up 4? And, you know, I think lastly, it kind of has to be said, you cannot let Texas return a kickoff. You know, the the way you lose football games is turnovers and special teams errors. That that that's it. Yeah. And the Big Twelve turnovers. Eh, I mean, sometimes we've played OU in the past before, and we've won the turnover battle, but we still lost to OU because they're a better team. Period. But right, right. We, we also have played Texas and Kansas and several other teams as well. I believe when we played Iowa State, we lost the turnover battle. We still won the game, granted by three, but we still won the game. But the special teams well, errors and penalties. We've also beat- We've also beat OU with turnover with uh, special teams. We have, but but that's my point though, is that that's how you lose in the Big Twelve, is when you make special teams mm-hmm. errors and penalties, and mm-hmm. then when you add on coaching decisions, then when you add on less time possession, and then when you add on, I guess the penalties, man, the penalties really got me at the end of the game. Like all the OSU fans on Twitter and everything like that that were saying, "How dare you throw these seat cushions on the field?" Well, well, one. Yeah, how dare you, right? That's that's dumb, that's whatever. But let's put it in more perspective. I'm 27, Jake, you're 25. We, we've both been there when we were 22 in college, right? And gone like, eh, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. But we've also been 18 in college, too, and made definitely some mistakes and some you know, idiot moves. And when the refs cost you the game at the end, and you really feel like it's on the refs because of how the game ended, then you're annoyed. And it's harder in the moment to go, yeah, this is on us. You know, right at the end of the game. So mm-hmm. I, I do understand the students being annoyed, but I will never say that was the right thing to do. That's poor sportsmanship. And I think the other thing we're, we're both thinking is, it's not like Texas won this game, right? Every every week on no. Tuesdays, I record a, a winners and losers from the previous NFL games, from the previous week um, with a guy named Wayne Ferret. 
And Wayne, I always talk about the winners and losers. And this would not be a game where I say, ah, Texas is a big winner. No, this is a game where I'd say Texas is really fortunate. But OSU lost this game. That's why it's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. That's why you're saying it's so annoying to see us play like this. Us play so well. That first drive that we have, that we go down and score, was amazing. It Literally, I think my dad, littlest brother Luke, and I all look at each other and go, hang on, wait, wait a second, we could blow them out. Because after that first drive, it's, well, dude, that was cutting through butter. That was easy, you know. They was, can't stop us. That was cutting through butter with a hot knife. We, you know, it, it was all. It looked easy, but dude, it was even easier, you know. And then we make errors and stuff like that. We turn the ball over, give them the ball on our own side of the field, you know, make it easy for them to come back and score. And then it's oh, wait a second, you know, real quickly it was uh, pump the brakes, pump the brakes on that. But I think the main thing that you and I are going to talk about from here going forward is how annoying and how, I guess, really just awful I felt about that game leaving because we should have won. It it shouldn't have been close and we should have won. But instead it was close and it went to overtime because we could not stop shooting ourselves in the foot. We went from shooting ourselves in the foot at the beginning of the game with a twenty two caliber you know, pistol. And by the end of the game, we're taking a shot off shotgun because it was just that bad. You know, we, we could not get out of our own way to try to win that game. Yeah, it... There's not many games that I come away from and I'm like, you know, the other team didn't deserve it. But Texas really did not deserve it at all. <clears throat> I mean... I think most of the time it's as sports fans, we say, yeah, the team that won deserved to win, right? We usually do. But anybody that watched that whole game cannot sit here and think that Texas deserved to win that game. And I remember from the, uh, the podcast, I said, the previous podcast, I said, you know what? All we need to do is stop Sam Ellinger. That's it. That's all we have to do. And that's what we did. And if someone wants to say he has three touchdowns, shut up. He was 18 for 34 for 169 yards and three touchdowns. And two of those touchdowns, he got the ball within like his own 30-yard line. And the other one was an overtime. So don't even leave me alone. Um but it was just, it was so, like, it was embarrassing how bad, bad that we we dominated them. But, but, like, we just couldn't do anything at all. We just kept, it, it was the same, the same instances that, that seemed to perpetuate themselves, whether it be turnovers, whether it be, just very untimely penalties of like what what are you doing? And yeah, it, it was really just like I, I came away from that game just like that's pathetic. It really was. And to even go into that point more, I don't know how Sam Ellinger gets Big Twelve Player of the Year, you know, preseason predictions or Heisman Dark Horse or anything like that, because you go watch that game, and you go, this? Like, almost that meme. This is your king? This is the guy who's mm-hmm. going to take you to the promised land as a Texas fan? Because, let, let's be honest here, right? If Spencer Sanders was on Texas instead of, oh, you know, instead of Oklahoma State this past game, right? Makes the same errors. You and I are currently giggling, right, about how bad Texas was. You know? Mm-hmm. Because, at the end of the day, Sam Ellinger... He's not, he's not what I would say is a Heisman Trophy winner. He's not Johnny Manziel, Baker, Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, Lamar Jackson, Tim Tebow, etc. He's not really winning you guys' games, but he is holding you in there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's truly that game manager type of quarterback. And I know he'll get a shot in the next level in the NFL. Somebody will, you know, sign him to something. He might get drafted, might not. As a tight end. Whatever. Well, I mean, it's a tight end. I mean, to be honest, that that is the weirdest thing, is that I've seen Sam Ellinger play in person now 
twice. I believe I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him play in 2017. Then the last two years, didn't see him in person. And this year, saw him in person. And every single time I've seen Sam Ellinger in person, I go, dude, that guy, is he 5'10"? Is he 5'9"? Is he, you know, whatever? And then I look it up and I go, oh, he's 6'3". Oh, yeah. I forget that these offensive linemen for Texas are like 6'8", 6'6", or 6'5", whatever, right? Because it just... He doesn't look he doesn't look that like that big of a guy, but you're right, the tight end thing is there. I you know, so I forget Sam Ellinger, and I also forget Sam Ellinger does sometimes just run over dudes, you know, too. I mean, corners mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. He is not the smallest guy on the field. That's that's for sure. You know. But but I will say Ellinger didn't win in the game. Throwing for less than two hundred yards in a big twelve game where your team scores forty one points is laughable. I mean, it's just, it just really is. It's not, Ellinger is is a game manager, you know? And heck, if you're the, you know, if you're looking right now at the Chicago Chicago Bears, I'm say Browns, but Chicago Bears, you go, maybe we take that instead, right? But really a lot of other teams, you know, I mean, you just, you just wouldn't say that, right? I think that at the end of the day, and I might get truly shot for saying this by a Texas fan, but... KU and K-State's quarterbacks are might be better than Ellinger, given the day. You know, probably not, I mean, not KU, but K-State, TCU, Baylor, West Virginia, right? If Seth Doge is playing for Texas in this past game, I think they definitely still win. You know, I don't think that it mattered that Ellinger was the quarterback in this past game versus the backup quarterback for Texas, because we we knew what their game plan was going in. We talked about it in the last one, which was... Ellinger's got to, you know, we're basically going to make sure Ellinger doesn't beat us because their running game, they've got a couple of running backs. They don't trust any of them that much. Slash, they're just divided up carries. Their wide receivers getting the ball doesn't really happen all that often either. Their offense is just not that great. Our offense should be great, right? From, you know, from paper, but hasn't produced it yet on the field. So, all right, Sanders in his second game back. Let's see what he can do against Texas. And then, unfortunately, you and I are talking about the exact opposite, where I don't think either of us saw, probably nobody, how many mistakes we could make in a game, and that would be the reason why we lose. You know? I mean, I believe 34 points is our second highest scoring total in a game this season. You know, uh, I think our, our highest is when Shane Elmworth played KU and we scored 38, if I have that right. But first game was barely over 20. Second game, 27. Third game was KU, and that was 38, I believe. Fourth game is I- 40, Iowa State. It was 47. 47. Excuse me. Okay, 40, I'm sorry. 47 against KU, yeah. Okay, but but still, our, our second highest point total is against Texas in, a game, in the first loss of the season. I, I did not think I'd be saying that. No, and for anybody that... I mean, I don't think anybody can look back at that game and blame the defense. But I think the defense, what did I text you? Um, after the kick return, I said, our defense has given up seven legitimate points. They gave up one drive, one touchdown drive. Everything else that Texas scored was either on special teams or off of a turnover. And we still, it's like, you know, there was that last drive, there was the garbage pass interference call on third down. And then um, Texas got that terrible offensive pass interference call. Um, And then they made up for it with the punt, with the punt roughing the punter. And, And then they get the call where they called off the touchdown. And it's like, I don't know what more our defense could have done. They literally did everything they could, but we just kept giving them the ball. And if someone wants to say, well, you can force turnovers. Well, when you're getting backed up into your, when you're starting off the, your defensive drive on your own 30 yard line, what, what do you expect them to do? They held them to a field goal, which is pretty much all we could have asked for that was best case scenario unless you want to sack them for a loss of 20 yards every play right yeah there's there's no way someone's going to tell me man your defense played bad in that game because they allowed 41 
No, our, our defense played pretty darn good. And the reason being is because you can look at the box score, you can look at the yards and all type of stuff. I don't know when. And to be honest, something I definitely should have looked up before the podcast recording because I'm thinking about it now. When's the last time you've seen a team score 41 points or let alone 34 points in regulation and only have and have less than 300 yards total in a game? Right? That doesn't make a lot of sense just thinking about it. You know, 34 points mm-hmm. is almost five touchdowns, right? One point shy. So that should mean that no matter what, let's say you get the ball in the 25 every single time it's a touchback. That should mean 75 times five, right? That should mean that you have over 400 yards, period, in the game. And. Right let alone us talking about that they had two field goals uh, or they had at least one field goal, right? So I can't remember. They had, two, they had two field They had two field goals. They had two field goals on the two-point conversion. That's right. So I just don't know when the last time a team has scored 34 points in regulation because I'll, I'll throw out the whole overtime thing so you get the ball 25. So 34 points in regulation and 287 yards total in the game, including overtime, right? So yeah. I don't know when the last time that's happened. I mean, that that's saying that you basically had, what, 260 yards? Yeah, 262, if I want to be exact, 262 yards in regulation, 34 points. That doesn't make a lot of sense at all. I mean, your average points per play is is not – it should be really, really high, and I bet it is. But that's that's almost that's almost a recipe for how you lose a game, you know. Like if you're, when, whenever I see a team just go, you know, and it's happened to us several times too, where it's, ah, do we score on the first possession? But it was literally four or five plays, and it was one first down, and then a deep, a deep post route down the field, or a, you know, a deep fade down the field, and it was a fifty yard touchdown run, you know, after you know yard after catch, right? Or it was mm-hmm. in screen or whatever. Because th- that type of stuff I always think is pretty fluky. Because it's not, you didn't just drive down the field in 13 plays or, you know, or 10 plus or, or whatever and score. You, you know, somebody got lost on defense for one play and all of a sudden it just broke loose. The safety wasn't there on the backside to help or linebacker, whoever it is. And all of a sudden it's a touchdown. And instead, Texas going, thanks for giving us the ball basically every single time on your side of the field where we didn't have to go a full field to score, you know? Yeah, and it it just, I mean, it worked really well for Texas, I would say, but it's like I go back and look. And so um, OSU scores. So we're up 31 to 20 uh, with... 11-16 in the third. Oh, no, we score with 8-09 in the third. Fourth? Fourth. That has to be the fourth quarter, right? Wait, in the in the fourth quarter, um, you know, the only points that we scored were the field goal. Was the field goal. And in oh, fact, okay. in the third quarter, if I have this right, I believe in the whole second half, we only score 11 points. I think. We scored 10 points in the entire or- second half. Yeah, 10, excuse me, 10, yep. Um, so the problem was is we go down pretty easily, 10 plays, 72 yards, and score, right? And so we're up 11. And at this point, I'm like, all we have to do right now is damage control. Like, you, you can run with the way our defense has been playing, the fact that they've only given up seven points, and this game could very easily be 31 to seven. Cause I think that's what we were all thinking at that point. Right. We're all like, we, we come out of halftime and we're like, how are we only up by four points? I remember thinking that, how are we up by four points? And so we come out of the half and this, this was what I was telling you about. I believe is we come out of the half three plays punt. Yep. So we have a chance to just go get something. And we run the ball three times. Punt. Now, granted, Texas punts. So then next time we get the ball, we go score. So now we're up 11. And then they return the kickback. And then punt, 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 fumble, 
Texas touchdown because Texas got the ball, you know, close, closer than they normally would. And then, and so like, my, my thing is, is if you watch our offense in the first half, even with the turnovers, and then you watch our offense in the second half, the play calling that we had was completely different. It's like now when I watched this in the second half, I was thinking, okay, just keep throwing the ball to Thailand. That's fine. But then they got into this rut where they're like hunting for penalties. They're like hoping that it's like every time that they're just going to call a pass interference. Which doesn't work because there was at one point we ran the play on second down and it was like second and 10 and we throw it up and the guy gets good coverage on him. Incomplete pass. Now you're at third and 10. Now now you're probably going to punt, which I think we ended up punting. I mean, I know we ended up punting because we didn't score it all that drive Um, or that that quarter, half, whatever. And so, like, that's just really irritating. The fact that we we score our second drive and then don't score again the entire half until we kick a field goal to send it to overtime. Yeah, that, I, that, I think that's that, how you lose football games. I think the biggest thing I, I take away from this is not only is that how you lose football games, right? But the other big thing is is that you look through these the plays that each team has, you know, and you just go through play by play all plays, right? Texas gets the ball to start out of the game. They five plays, go five plays, punt, twenty five yards total gained. We, seven plays, 86 yards, two minutes and 19 seconds, we score. Then we get the Texas ball back, three plays, total of six yards, they punt. Then, you know, and, and we're up 7-0, right? So, you're thinking about this. Texas got the ball first. They couldn't do anything with it. They got a first down. That was it. They punt, you know? Um, they had a penalty, I believe, as well. But, you yeah, know, that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Then first drive, first time we get the ball after they punt, we go down and we straight up score. We still score in less than two minutes and 30 seconds. This looks like the 2011 Brian Whedon to Justin Blackman, Oklahoma State offense, you know, in the, in the efficiency perspective, right? Our average, you know, I think our average time to score in that year in 2011 was like two minutes or less. It was almost funny because at towards the end of the year, that's how we lost that Iowa State game it's because and our that- defense was on the field all the time. And that was the drive when Tylen was really starting to assert himself of like, and I remember I kept seeing them switch corners. Like they would just take turns. They're like, I can't guard him. And so they kept switching corners and they still weren't putting a safety over top. Well, I think they were still worried about Spencer Sanders and Juba starting the ground game. You know, so they still right. have they, they're they're trying to load up the box still, but we're putting three right. wide, and then they and they want to keep eight man eight men in the box. That's how they got screwed. And and that's the thing is like, how do you have a defense that is objectively terrible? We talked about this last last podcast about how bad Texas's defense is, right? And so, how do you sit there? You know. With the defense completely on their toes the entire game. And it's like you're just giving it to them. Like they can't stop your two best receivers. And the only time they really can is when there's a flag. You're completely dominating their offense, which I think we would both say is an objective good offense, right? And... As I told you the other day, I don't think Sam Ellinger even played bad. But, I mean, the corners, our corners were just annihilating their wide receivers. I think their number one receiver maybe had one or two catches. Their their number one receiver had, you know, to be honest, had seven catches for 70 yards, and I believe two touchdowns. No, I'm saying they're, they're number oh, they're, one coming oh. into the game. Oh, Josh, gotcha. wasn't yeah. it? Who was it? Who was their number one guy? 
he might not have even had a catch. Their actual number one guy. He might not have even had a catch. Moore, Josh Moore. The only catch he had was in overtime. The touchdown. That was it. Man, that's a bummer. So we shut him down for four quarters. Yeah. I mean, and we really just shut down Texas, to be honest. That's that's right. the only way I can look at it. The, the other aggravating thing from this is that when you go by this play-by-play thing and you look at it, the game starts out so well. The first three, you know, series total in the game, two for Texas, one for Oklahoma State, it's, I think the predictor is going Oklahoma State wins by 30. You know, I mean, that just that's just it. But we fumble it on second down, and Texas has, you know, only 15 yards to go, I guess, three plays, and they score. Then we get the ball, we punt it. Texas gets the ball, they punt it. We get the ball, still in the first quarter here. And we score in five plays, 62 yards, two minutes and seven seconds, right? Then Texas gets the ball, and this is Texas's, I would say, going back through, one true, like, drive down the field and score. And that's basically that Texas gets the ball, they, they I mean, fair catch it, the ball gets out of the end zone, I think, and... You know, Texas has a, a penalty on pass interference, even to start out, like the first play they do in the first quarter. So it's first and 22nd, and Texas still converts it for a first down. And then into the first quarter here, but Texas, you know, goes seven plays here and 75 yards to score. They take three minutes and 16 seconds off the clock. They're even up. You know, it's 14 all. Then the next time we get the ball, three plays, interception. Texas gets the ball. Ah, field goal. All right, cool. Not that bad for us. You know, interception was pretty darn bad, (laughs) to be honest. Um, But nonetheless, Texas only has to go, I believe, five yards. I think Texas got the ball. Yeah, Texas ran back the interception. They got the ball. They run it to um, for four yards to the Oklahoma State four. And then they have an incomplete pass, timeout. Um, pass complete for one yard and then 20 yard field goal. So to be honest, that's a huge, huge thing for the defense there. They basically held set, you know, I mean, besides blocking the field goal, or as you said earlier, sacking Ellinger for 20 yards, you know, on every single play, that's the best our defense can do put in that situation, right? So then after Texas scores that field goal, it's 17-14, and I'll, I'll try not to go through the entire game here like this, but my point is that Texas scores field goal, we go down and we score a touchdown. Next time, Texas punts, we score a field goal. All of a sudden, Oklahoma State is up a full touchdown, 24-17, and we're in the second quarter, right? And the field goal that we went down and scored was 13 plays for 69 yards and 4 minutes and 45 seconds, right? Then to end out the second, you know, to end out the second quarter, Texas punts. Next time they get it after our field goal, we fumble it. Texas scores a field goal, and the half's over. Basic, I mean, more or less. Um, mm-hmm. To end out the half, ba- basically, I mean, it's kind of and funny, but you, like, like, like we we fumbled with, the ball with within a minute left in the half, and there, then they score a field goal. Thirty six seconds left. Thirty six yeah. seconds left in the half, and we fumble. Right. And they capitalize and, off the fumble to, in all respect, but they didn't have they didn't have anywhere to go. They literally had negative three yards, and then they kicked field goal. You know, but it's 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 like severely aggravating because like I'm all for you know being aggressive and stuff, but I guess we just never see Gundy do this, right? Like if if we get the ball with 49 seconds left in the half, he's kneeing the ball out. I've seen him do it with a minute and a half left in the half, right? I think he's kneeing the ball for the rest of the year now. I don't know if Gundy will. But, will but that's go what for he usually does. Right. Oh, yeah. So I guess I was like more so surprised with, with that, you know? 
Well, and the last thing I'll say about the play-by-play is you go through here and you look at how many times Texas got the ball, right? How many possessions, how many times Oklahoma State got the ball, in all fairness. And you look at the longest, you know, longest grouping of plays total from, you know, from scrimmage, right? What was the longest that Texas had to go and when they score? And it was that 75-yarder, seven-play um, deal in the second quarter. Texas's longest total amount of plays that they ran on a series that they went down and scored was 15 plays for 68 yards. So just, just, I mean, you know, just seven less yards total. But they get that after an Oklahoma State fumble when we were going down to score, right? Before that, the the score is 31 to 26, and we, us, Oklahoma State. And then we fumble it. And this is just where I think everyone starts biting their teeth and going nuts. Because we fumble it. Texas gets the ball and goes down and scores a touchdown. But I believe here, if I have this correct, this is a huge penalty against... Um, yeah, there were there was 3rd um, and 13, pass interference against Oklahoma State. Then Texas gets 1st and 10 at Oklahoma State's 46. Excuse me, 47. Um, then Texas has a interference called on them. And then this is the series where y- you and I both, I think, know. Watch Oklahoma State football. This is the series where, all right, all right, hey, we effed up. Then our defense, you know, I, I think our, I think Trey Sterling and Colby Arvo Peel are out by this time in the game. And, you know, um, in the third quarter, but I'm not sure on that 110%. And then Holmes, you know, number number zero for Oklahoma State, has a, has a penalty. So all of a sudden, then, uh, crap, dude. We literally, first and ten after Texas gets the ball, after we fumble it, we, you know, we, we basically blow up their running back in the backfield, and they have a loss of three yards. Second play, they have a pass complete, but for no gain. So it's third and 13, and uh, we have a 15-yard penalty for pass interference. All right, crap. All right, let's get him again. You know, you loading up. First and ten, they run it for one yard. Tex runs it for one yard. Second and nine, there's a pass, you know, complete for Texas for a 20-yard pass complete. But Texas is called for pass interference. All right, cool. Second and 24, you know, let's load up again. Ellinger completes the pla- completes pass for eight yards. Then it's third and 16, and we sack Sam Ellinger. I mean, two guys, Brock Martin and Calvin Bundage, sack Ellinger for a loss of six, right? So this means that right now, Texas is on their 41, and it's 4th and 22. And we've done all this. We've set up for 4th and 22 after we fumbled the ball, and we're driving to score when we're already up five. But 4th and 22, of course... This is the, I, it might be infamous if we don't make it to the Big 12 championship or if we do win the Big 12 championship and you and I are both going, crap, we didn't make college football playoff. Because if we're not, if we win the Big 12 and we don't make college football playoff, you and I are both going to talk about this stinking fourth and 22 play where, yes, it is not a penalty. It's not the penalty the refs called, right? It's the five-yard penalty, as you and I have discussed. It's not roughing the kicker. It's running into the kicker for five yards. Where Texas have fourth and 17, they'd, I mean, they, they kick a field goal if they want to and, you know, only be down two, I believe, if they make the field goal from Texas on 36. But we know how everything works out here. Do they do that in the third quarter? Do they not? If you can play what it could have, should have course this situation never arose and never came up because we went to block that field goal and I think that's the other thing that really annoys me and all type of stuff is you're saying the play calling changed and I'm saying also the defense either was just wait the special teams was either too aggressive or somebody didn't say whatever they should have because we go to block that punt and let's be honest here I believe Oklahoma State catches it and it's in like said like Texas zone 10 but at that point, we're in the third quarter, and we're still up in the game. So, you know, I mean, we're not in the greatest position ever. We're not up 20, but we're still up five. Texas can't do anything on offense. They couldn't do anything on offense after we gave them the ball. Um, granted, on still their own side of the field, but after we give them the ball and we fumble it, they still couldn't do anything with it. But for some reason, we went to go block that kick. And I, 
that's going to pain me more than anything else if this team has every single thing going for the rest of the season except for this loss against Texas because I truly believe that was a momentum shifter because right after that, Texas basically just, I mean, in, you know, in, in less time, Texas goes down and just scores, and then all of a sudden they get the two-point conversion after that, and then all of a sudden we're in the hole. And you and I are talking about Oklahoma State fans. Crap, dude, this is not a good look for us anymore at all. So I decided to look up the difference between roughing and running into the kicker. Excuse me, though, um, I do want to I do want to correct myself for one second. After we fumble, when we fumbled the ball there, and we're up thirty-one to twenty-six. The third quarter does end. Um, you know, we had nine plays for total of 41 yards before we fumbled it. And double check here. That's that that was the LD Brown fumble. And then, of course, Joseph Osai, who we could talk about for forever, because he was a major factor in that game, you know, recovers the fumble. But then Texas, when they go down to score this touchdown here, and then end up getting the two-point conversion, um, you know, after the fourth and twenty-two punt, you know, block where we you know, rolled into the kicker or whatever. Texas had the ball on a drive there for 15 plays, 68 yards. Key thing being, though, they had they gained all their time possession. They gained every stat in the world here. They had the ball for 7 minutes and two, 42 seconds on the way to score. So that just took all the time off the clock because it's already in the fourth quarter at this point, too. So go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I decided to look up the difference between roughing and running into the kicker. Um <clears throat> Just because I had never really looked it up, and I was generally curious, um, and I specifically remember what happened. So basically, the their punter was right footed, and his leg was up in the air, and his left leg was hit. His plant leg was hit, and it was definitely hit. I'm not arguing, you know, that he didn't touch the punter, right? However, this is what is stated. Generally speaking, it's roughing the punter. If the punter's plant leg is contacted or if he collides with the rusher, however, both feet are on the ground, which both of his feet were not, right? We can both agree on that. Anyone can go back and look at it and say, yeah, both feet weren't on the ground. And then running into the kicker, is when the kicking leg is contacted or if the rusher slides underneath the punter and prevents him from returning both feet to the ground, which the second one is clearly what happened, right? You and I can both agree objectively that he prevented the punter from his kicking leg to returning to the ground because he was underneath the punter and slightly contacted his plant leg, right? That's what happened. Yes, 110%. And and I remember even the announcers were like, I, they were like, I didn't think that was roughing the punter because roughing the punter is supposed to be like this, almost like a late hit on a quarterback, like this egregious, like super physical, just like something that's not cool. Not if you're, you know, running into the kicker is supposed to be to protect the kicker. But it's also like if you're going for to block the punt, maybe you miss the punt, maybe you hit their kicking leg, right? Then that's running into the kicker. Or, you know, if you prevent him kind of like in the NBA, right? If if they if you prevent them from returning both feet on the ground, then it then it's usually called a foul. Um, but it's not a flagrant foul, it's just it's a regular foul. And you're right. I think that I will look back at that that call and go that's not roughing the punter um not only that but why when we are up by five points and how many how much time was left at that point or so we're we're I, it's, it's hard to tell exactly here without breaking all There's down like but we're in the we're in the fourth quarter with with it looks like a little less than quarter. 10 minutes left so we're in the fourth quarter right and it's like almost all you really need to do to ice this game is have a good three to four minute drive and kick a freaking field goal. Right. Right. Because like, we're, 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 we're up five. Yeah. 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 It, you go up by eight points. 
and we're kind of sitting there like, okay. But that's not what happened. And, you know, I had the whole talk with you um, the other day about how the whole timely, and I'm not blaming this all on the refs. I'm just pointing out that they played a massive part in the game. And if someone wants to go back and look at the stats, shut up. Um, yes, we turned the ball over four times. Yes, we had less possession than they did. Um, and where was the foul count? I saw the flag count somewhere, but I, I, I can't seem to find it now. Um, anyways, so it, it's just like calling those timely flags in a close game when OSU is repeatedly shooting themselves in the foot and yeah I mean do you know Calvin do you know how many times Texas punted I don't I don't know it off the top of my head nine times they had more punt yards than they did offensive yards That's something you don't hear every day, especially when a team no. scores 34 in regulation. That still is the biggest thing I can keep coming back to. Yeah, the the fact that they punted nine times and had more punt yards than total yards, yet they still win the game. But we want to blame the defense. I'm just saying. Yeah, and I think you and I both know this is team has not won games because of the offense of the whole year. This game has won games because of the defense, and we almost won this game on Saturday because of the defense. Yes, any person who wants to pop up on SportsCenter and talk about the game or whatever but didn't have a chance to watch it can tell you and I, you can't win football games, even in the Big 12, when you allow the opponent to score 41. You and I both know that is not the story about this game. That's not the story no. in the slightest. But so I found the pen. I found the penalty count. By the way, um, I think when I texted you, when you texted me, what's the penalty count? I think I said it was Texas twelve, right? And OSU had like three or four, and a lot of those were from pass interference calls, and just like dumb penalties because Texas isn't a very good coach team. Um, sorry, Texas fans. Tom Herman's not that great of a coach. Um, so they had they ended up with 13 penalties for 142 yards, and we ended up with eight penalties for 70 yards. Um, penalties, in my opinion, don't necessarily work the same way as they do in like as fouls in basketball, because like penalties don't deliberately contribute to points. And usually penalties in football are more contingent upon either one team just being better or one team just not being as well coached. But the fact that Texas, after being able to completely like not stop us, not cover us, nothing, only had one penalty after I texted you, Calvin, which I believe was around um, the fourth quarter. And then we end up with four penalties one called off a touchdown two kept drives alive and not only just a drive two of those penalties kept their um lead taking drive alive i have a problem with that And I, I don't disagree with you at all here. I I will say, talking about this game more and more, there is another instance in the game, and it's the last thing I'll say about before we get to the K-State talk, is I think every team in the entire college football realm should have a guy line up in the end zone whenever they know the opposing team is kicking off the ball, generally kicks out the back of the end, of the end zone. And have him ready just to catch the ball off the kickoff and then just 
for some reason, drop it. You know, I mean, oh, slippery hands, you know, whatever, all this type of stuff. Because if you drop the kickoff and then pick it back up, I don't know why, but it definitely pauses the whole entire kickoff team from doing whatever they are and think that, oh my gosh, we get it or whatever. Because it, it happens more frequently than you'd think. And this game on, this game last Saturday was not the first time I've seen it either, where Texas number five drops the kickoff and picks back up, runs it back down to score, and seemingly doesn't need to even go outside of his own lane. And, you know, you and I can both go back and watch kickoff return off the stuff, and it was fluky. It, that's how kickoff returns happen, though, is they're, they're flukes, you know? You have Sports Center top 10 plays showing because they don't happen that often, and then they get Special Teams Player of the Week in the Big 12 because they don't happen that often. And shout out to Thailand for playing as well as even he did. Though, even even though that kid that returned the kick was getting absolutely worked at corner. Oh, by far and away. I mean, that was the other thing, too, is that he just looked like an idiot the rest of the game because he has that one play, and then you start then thinking, like, which which guy is he? And you realize, so he hasn't done anything. Tylen Wallace is 187 yards. Three pass interference goals. Yeah, he just, like... Tylen Wallace has more receiving yards than their quarterback does passing yards. It's it's absurd. So yeah, shout to Thailand for that last game. That get last game is not on him. That last game is not on Chuba. Even though I wish we could run the ball better, it's not it's not on LD because he had one turnover and it was not not in a good time. All of stuff, whatever. But there were many more times we're shooting ourselves in the foot. I wanted to add something real quick because I I talked to you about this. I didn't get to add this though. Um, anybody that like wants to kind of like say Chuba didn't play well. I mean, yeah, for Chuba standards, he didn't. He had like, what, 2.9 yards a carry or something like that. Texas's defensive line is really good. And they played really good. That Joseph Asai guy is going to get drafted in the first two rounds of the draft next year. And I have absolutely zero problem giving Texas credit for their defensive line playing well. They came in with their game plan and they knew what they could do. And they did it. They stopped the run. They couldn't stop the pass, but we just kept running the ball. <laughs> just like, that's it. We literally just kept running the ball when we probably shouldn't have. But it's like when your quarterback has three turnovers, you know, you're toning that line of, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll say... I'll say and we this. had a lineman go down too. We had a lineman go down, and we that's, kept running to that side as well. That's that's for whatever reason. I'll say this. I think the I think the the game is on Spencer, and the game is on Gundy, and it's on both those guys almost equally. And at the end of the day, Spencer, dude, we cannot survive having three turnovers that are on you, right? The quarterback running back mesh thing. You and I've talked about a ton of time. Before we start recording the podcast, and we're already at the 47-minute mark here, I believe, recording, so I'm not going to stretch it too much more, but that was, it looked like it's just a Sanders mistake. Maybe it's also on Chuba a little bit, but if I'm calling it, it's 80-20 on Spencer. Then the two intercept, the two other fumbles, excuse me, um, or the two other turnovers that Spencer had here are, are also just on him. No, anyone else. I believe the interception and the fumble. Are on, are on him as well too, and then yeah, the fumbles on LD. But honestly, that just that just was unfortunate. I believe our offensive lineman gets popped back into him, and the ball comes free. That was just a fluky thing he, too. So yeah, he well, you know, we decided to run it left, of course, and he our I think the guard got pushed back, and so he had to spin, and then on his spin, he shouldn't have fumbled the ball, but on his spin. <clears throat> he got like he got popped pretty hard and the defender's helmet was literally right on the ball and but we're not even talking about this if we don't have three turnovers in the first half so right right you and I are not talking about the turnover factor at all and instead we're talking about the fact that we can still talk about this right now which is why this game doesn't get to me this much is for this one point I have not, as an OSU fan in a very long time, been able to say, hey, we have lost a game, but we are still in the driver's seat if we went out to win the Big 12. 
that I have not been able to say in a while. And that's why this game does not kill me as much as it should. Yeah, that's why this game doesn't sting as much as it should. It's because right now, we go to Manhattan, Kansas. We play K-State. I believe their quarterback's out for either the rest of the season or for this game. They're starting quarterback. I know we're favored, at least by ESPN when I saw it last, to win. And I believe we're favored by almost two touchdowns. But I think it's 12 and a half right now. So, I'm not that mad. I'm not that upset. Worst things possible is that we'll lose another game. And, of course, that's definitely possible. We play OU coming up later on the season two. But I want to ask you, of the teams that we play coming up the rest of the season, of the K-State this weekend, of the OU, of the TCU, of the Baylor, right, of the Texas Tech, (coughs) I know both of us are going to say the game we're most worried about is that OU game. By far and away, that's Bedlam, it's Norman, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But besides the Bedlam game, which of the other four opponents that we play the rest of the season are you most worried about? You know, K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, or TCU? It has to be K-State. Why do you say I mean, K-State, though? Just because they're first in the Big 12 right now? Because they, I mean, because they're tied with us? Because we think we saw that West Virginia score, at least, and I've watched some highlights. They looked bad against West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, no one in the Big 12 is world beaters, and it's a shame because they're already going to mark us out of the college football playoff no matter what. Because um, if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, or if not, then the Big 12 is done. Which is more what I was hoping for, that we didn't have one of these games that we lose that we shouldn't have lost. Um, But I would say, I mean, if we beat K-State, you know, we should beat Tech, we should beat Baylor, and we should beat TCU. And other than OU, really, K-State is the hardest team left on our schedule. I do agree from the fact that going into this game, if KCA hadn't played West Virginia so poorly, it would be the hardest. I do think it is the hardest game because they have the best record, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's the hardest game on paper. I think the hardest game will actually be the Baylor game, to be honest, because I think you and I both agree here that unfortunately, the way the schedule racks up, Yes, Spencer Sanders will get some more playing time and should look a lot better by the time we play OU, but that's only one more game. That's only, you know, against K-State this weekend. We don't get to play OU in the very, very end of the season just like that. And OU dropped a couple to start out the season, but they don't look bad at all anymore. I mean, they just ran it up on Texas Tech. At one point, I saw the score was 48-14, to and I could not believe it was in the first half. For OU, right? <laughs> I, I I know at one point I think Texas Tech was up seven to zero or four and fourteen to seven, I believe, but something happened where OU just scored forty eight to fourteen, and I in the first half against Tech, and that's at Tech, that's seven p.m. kickoff. That is one of those ah, there's some Iowa State vibes to this game for OU. Not a chance because they shut down Tech, and I don't think Tech's good. By the way, I don't think Tech's good as Iowa State or even in their realm. Texas Tech is the second worst in the conference right now and only right above KU. So, not a lot to speak from them. But I think that Baylor game is going to be rough because if we beat OU somehow, some way, even though we're going to hit OU in their stride too, which sucks. But if we beat OU, then I think that Baylor game is the one that's the most pressing and the hardest one to play just from the sheer a lot is on the line in this game. But if we lose to OU, then I think you're right. And I think the K-State game's the toughest. And unfortunately, and I don't like throwing out predictions that we're going to lose. Of course, me as the homer, me as the alum, me as the previous employee. I never want to say oh, any Oklahoma State Athletics team is going to lose. But, man, this OU game now just seems much, much worse. So I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you this here as well. If Spencer Sanders has an equally bad game against K-State this weekend, do you, it, let's, let's say like in the first half, he's just looking just as bad as this, this is Texas game, right? Do you bench him in half and put in Shane? I might, he might not make it till halftime. 
Well, I'm saying though, if he if he looks bad, you know, all type of stuff, and we stick with him or whatever, do you just put Shane back? You just put Shane in the second half. Yeah, we spent yep. standards on a super short leash, or are we just going screw it? This is got a guy we got to go with at this point. Short leash. I mean, Illingworth came out and beat two Big Twelve teams, so. And Texas is not very good at all. So, like, it's like the Tech game last year. He had, what, five turnovers in the first half? He would absolutely have a short leash, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think that's what I would say right now, too. I think that if, weirdly enough, if Shane Ellenworth has the same type of game that he played against West Virginia in his first first start in college football and first Big Twelve start, then I think we beat Texas. To be honest, now Texas's defense, I will say, I think is better, and I think Texas is better than West Virginia, et cetera. But at the same point, if Ellen if if Ellenworth had played for us in the previous game, or if we had just had Ellinger, to be honest, instead of Sanders. Yeah, it's a what could have should a thing, but I think we won the game because Sanders just made too many errors. And then at the very, very end of the last game against Texas, the play calling. Listen, we're 50 plus minutes in the podcast now. I don't keep wanting to go back to the Texas game forever, but whatever happened there, whenever we're going down to score a field goal and Sanders runs it for like four yards and then gets. You know, I mean, two or three yards, whatever it ended up being, then gets tackled, and then we have to spike it on third down, so we only have the field goal to kick for overtime. We don't even have the third down to kick it for overtime. Sucked. And then the play calling where we only ran the ball in overtime. We had six plays, and we only ever ran the ball. I understand one of them was definitely going to be a pass play, but that didn't make sense either. And I, I know L.D. Brown gained yardage, but then all of a sudden for, you know, for whatever reason, offensive lineman was legally downfield. Um, I forget kind of which play that was. Maybe that was on an incompletion or something. But no, it was on a touchdown. Oh yeah, that's right. It was on the touchdown. Uh, of course. So it, either way, that was that's annoying. I guess I'll throw that in too. My going forward, what are your predictions for you know us for the rest of the season? Do you think we could still make the Big Twelve championship game? Yeah, I mean, based off of what I've seen from the Big Twelve. We should roll everybody. Like, it shouldn't even be a contest. Except OU. Because that game's going to be close. It always is. Everybody else, I mean, we should just be to a pulp. Honestly. And it's a shame that we have to waste this defense on this offense. It truly is because Calvin Bundage and Trace Ford and Kobe Arville Peel and Trace Sterling, Darius Williams, I mean, Brock Martin did not sign up for this, you know, for, for lack of a better no. term. And I think going into the season, you and I both thought, dude, our offense is going to have 500 plus yards a game and score and just beat the crap out of everyone to win games. And instead, our defense is trying to hold us in check and hold us in games, you know. And they were able to do that the first four games pretty darn well, to be honest. I mean, that first game against Tulsa, that's as fluky as a game as you can get. Your first game of the season, non-conference opponent, in-state competition, though. And your starting quarterback goes down in the first quarter. You put in the second stringer. He doesn't play well at all. But your defense is still able to hold the opposing team in check. And they put in the third stringer and were able to somehow score some points and go up and hold on to win the game. And oh my gosh, what an ale-biter that one was. Second game of the year, third stringer, you know, before the season started at least, is now the first stringer. He's going out there. And the game was super, super close. I've said it before on previous podcasts, but basically that is a 20-13 win. We run it in to get that capitalization um, and the exclamation point to get it 27-13, but 27-13 is not a normal score for an Oklahoma State team, especially with this offense that we have. So, you know, saying we didn't score 34 on West Virginia when, I mean, they don't have the greatest defense in the world, but their defensive stats definitely look better because we only scored 27 against them, too. 
then, you know, we, we talk about, okay, let's talk about the third game of the season, right? Or, yeah, third game of the season, KU. All right, this is when our offense truly starts clicking. But, hey, KU knocks off somebody every once in a while, weirdly, and still true freshman quarterback who is third stringer to start out the season is now starting. And, oh, we scored 47. And, oh, our defense holds KU to basically 10 points. I think they scored another, like, seven points uh, touchdown in garbage time when we had a bunch of backups, et cetera. So, you know, props to KU for taking advantage of that, but come on. And then our fourth game of the year, defense really holds Iowa State in check. I, I had this Iowa State team score 37 on OU, and this Iowa State defense held OU to 30 points, which now looks like pretty impressive considering the basketball games that he's played. And, oh, and then the fifth game, our defense, I would say, almost did its best. I mean, we talked about this, only allowed one true drive down the field without capitalizing off one of our turnovers. You know, we turn up the ball one last time, we win the game. We don't make the, we have one less penalty, kind of. We win the game. But also we have, you know, just a little bit smaller play calling in overtime. We, we could be both talking about how we won the game, too. So, last question we'll end it out here on the podcast is, is, do you think we can beat OU in Bedlam? Based on everything you know now, I don't know. Like I, I think <clears throat> that game that I watched was just so disappointing, and yeah, it it, it was just really, really bad. It really was. And so I, I think I'm just kind of like, I, I want to see how they play, um, how they play this week. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I right now go, yeah, if we somehow can just kill K-State, you know, make it where it's not even that much of a game, then I have a lot of confidence and I think we can do it and win win. But on the other hand, if we play a very similar game that we get did against Texas and our offense doesn't look like it's that great, I, I don't know where the play calling went to throw it at Thailand at the end of the game. Maybe Texas did eventually bring over that safety help and truly double-team him, and that's what stopped it. But it just – Thailand Wallace is amazing. We got to get that, that guy the ball at least once every single set of downs. You know? Um, mm-hmm. Dylan Stoner, I believe, made reckless catch in regulation, but it was a poorly thrown ball by Sanders, too. Um, to, you know, where, where we were basically going in the stadium. Did he catch it? Did he not? What happened? And so. they said it wasn't a catch when everybody said it was a catch. Yeah, everyone in the stadium said it's a catch, which, of course, it's even, a home game. Even but. on the broadcast. I don't know how you, how you see clearly to overturn that. I don't know how they're – that's usually the thing when we talk about plays that are in review is, all right, they're going to say it stands because they can't see it otherwise. They either don't have the camera angle or, in this case, they just you just can't tell. It's too close. So they just say, we got to go with those on the field. It stands. For some reason, they saw something that overturned it, and I think there was a camera shot where I go, crap, dude, it looks like the ball moves as, as you know it hits the ground. But – also looks like his arm moves as he hits the green. You know, so it's just a bunch of looks like his arm moves to control the ball as it hits the ground too. But I guess you can't use you can use the ground to get, help you study the ball. But but still, I I'm, they even brought the uh, their referee consultant guy and he said I don't think there's I don't know how they would overturn this. And then they did. So shout out to uh, Big Twelve refs on Twitter as well too for that. You know. Um, yeah, I just doing great. Can't, can't say I'm surprised. Yeah, the election may cause me agony, but more agony will be caused because of this game in the Big Twelve refs, at least for one week of my life. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the next four years definitely will be different depending on what happens with this election. But ne- either way, and uh, nonetheless, at the same point, 
I'd much rather be talking about Oklahoma State football than the election and stuff. And I'd much rather be talking about Oklahoma State football with a triumphant win and a prediction of this weekend score being um, 34 to 17. I think we do go to Manhattan. I do, th- I do think we still beat K State. I do think that Sanders plays a lot better. I think the play calling is conservative to at least start out the game. And we truly try to kind of gut out this victory. And we have a touchdown or two at the end of the game to, to get that 34 instead of it being 27 or, you know, or whatever. Um, and that that's my prediction to win this game this weekend against K-State because West Virginia just ran it up on them. And we beat West Virginia with the backup quarterback. So fingers crossed that we're better than K-State because I think we are. I think, you know, use those similar matchups and all type of stuff and you look at it and you go yeah we're better than k-state and also k-state looks like they had an easy schedule to start the season the big 12 anyways west virginia was the first real test they had so that's our prediction for this weekend's game at least score wise what about you and we'll end it out here um i mean i've got to go like 28 to 10 i say you know i'm i'm hoping that we'll win the turnover battle and that we're just getting pressure and that we're just shutting them down because it's it's to the point where now we can't rely on our offense to win us games. We're going to have to rely on our defense to win us games. Yeah, I think that's very, very true, especially after seeing that past game. And 28 points, I think, is more, unfortunately, more realistic. And I'm just hoping our offense clicks one more time for that extra score. Yeah. So yeah. or extra, I guess I'm saying I'm saying two field goals. So our offense <laughs> kind of clicks for an extra two scores, but not two touchdowns. So with that being said, Jake, thanks so much as always for joining me here on the latest episode of the CGA Tour podcast. Please follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram for more. And if you're curious, Definitely go give us a rating on iTunes and ask ask us a question, and we will answer it in an upcoming episode. So thank you again so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys again soon. Peace. Thanks, guys.